0: Are you ready for God's word? Let me, let me go back there. Come on. You can do better than that. Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Well, today we conclude our sermon series entitled timing is everything. God's timing is perfect and timing is everything. You know, I can remember when I was a young man and I, I entered the business world and I was working for a, for a very large international company. In fact, and, um, In our Austin region, Austin office, there were, there was a leaderboard. And on that leaderboard, they'd put the top producer, and they had, they had a different, they had a metric of, of different things that, that had to qualify, you had to qualify to be up there. And there was this one particular gentleman who was always up there. And if it was a, if it was, let's say, out of 12, out of 12 months, he would be on the leaderboard eight of those 12 months. That's pretty good. Everyone else would share the other months that were left over. And so I noticed right away, this guy knows something we don't. I'm gonna go and ask him. How many of you know it's always a good idea and the Bible says, seek those that have more wisdom than you. Seek out wisdom. If you look for wisdom, wisdom will reward you. And so I remember going up to him and I said, What's your secret? What's the key? If you had one piece of advice to give a young guy coming up, what, what would you share? And I'll never forget what he shared. Now, this is interesting because over my lifetime, I've heard, I've gotten a lot of advice. You know, at, at, uh, at 39 years old, I mean, I've gotten a lot of advice. <laughs> okay, I can try, right? Um, that hurt my feelings the way you laughed. <laughs> Uh, at 39 years old, no, I'm, ser- I'm serious. At 49 years old, I've gotten a lot of advice. Some of it I remember. Other, uh, uh, a lot of it I don't remember. Some of it I need to forget, right? But I always remember this bit of advice. He said, "He said if you can handle the roller coaster. And I said, what do you mean the roller coaster? He said, life is like a roller coaster. I, I guess you were expecting life is like a box of chocolates, right? No. <laughs> life is like a roller coaster, Sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. You're going to have peaks and you're going to have valleys. Sometimes, you know, you're going to feel and others are going to call you a hero. And sometimes you're going to feel and others are going to call you a zero. But I need you to understand something. I need you to understand that a wise man once put it this way Though I walk through the valley of no sales, <laughs> or though I walk through the valley of corporate America and all the changing of the rules and just when you get good at something, they bring something else in. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no end of the month. I shall fear no. And he kind of started talking like this. He says, what was he saying? He was was saying, I need you to apply God's word to this situation. And I need you to understand that there are some valleys and there are some highs and you're not always on a high and you're not always in the valley. This too will pass. Sometimes you've got to walk through it. But when you remember who you are and you remember that, that you are exactly who God called you to be and who he says you are, doesn't matter. Don't get caught up in the hype and don't get caught up in the depression. Know who you are. Trust God for it and keep on keeping on and don't ever quits. And you know what? That was good advice because the one thing I have learned is that it's easy to lose it up here and to party too much. And it's easy to lose it down here and to believe that the sky is falling, that nothing good will ever happen. And to down talk yourself to the point that you remain down there longer than you should. Come on. Is anyone hearing me today? So I want to share with you my title of today's message. Jesus is easy. Come on. Because I'm easy. Easy like, Jesus is easy like Sunday morning. But the world is hard. So don't you dare quit. What do I mean by that? I mean when you're walking with Christ and you're on the mountaintop, it feels like you could soar forever. But if you want to get to the next mountaintop, I need you to hear my heart on this. If you want to get from the next mountaintop, and and the Lord says, I want to take you from glory to glory. Whose glory? His glory. And so he says, I want to take you from glory to glory. You're going to have to go through the valley to get to the next mountaintop. See, I like the way David Crowder put it. Everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to... Come on now. Everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Someone's saying right now, but pastor, couldn't I just take a Holy Spirit uh, helicopter from this mountaintop to that mountaintop? If that's what Jesus determines, if that's what God determines. But for, the most, of, for most of us, he's going to take us through the valley. Amen. I want to remind you of something. Lazarus was Jesus' friend. He used to have him over at his house to eat. They used to know each other intimately. Now, let me ask you something. Do you suppose Lazarus might have been around when he fed the 5,000? When he made the lame walk and the blind see? When he restored, uh, you know, someone who was on their sickbed? Do you suppose he saw that? But let me ask you this what if Jesus wanted to introduce himself as the one who raised the dead to Lazarus in a personal way? If Jesus wanted to say to Lazarus, Lazarus, you've seen a lot of things and you've been around me for a lot of miracles, but now I want you to experience it in a personal way. I'm not just the one that makes the blind see and the lame walk and the sick get better. I'm the one that raises the dead and I want you to know that. Oh, come on, does anyone see where I'm going with this? If Jesus said, I want you to know me as the one who raises the dead, you might go, have tried on him, (laughs) right? you got to die first. See, everybody wants to experience the miracle, but do you want to go through the valley? Do you want to go through the valley? The truth is, Sometimes you're going to have problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have problems. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. You can hang on to my hand. He didn't say, and though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, freak out. And though you walk through a hard time, I mean, start flipping out, blaming people, get mad at your husband, get, throw your wife under the bus, get upset with your pastor and say, you should have taught me better. You should have read God's word is what I'm going to (laughs) say. Amen. He says, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know thou art with me. What does it mean thou art with me? It means Jesus said, I'm going to leave you a helper. I don't leave you as orphans. I don't want your heart to be troubled. I'm going to leave with you my Holy Spirit. And my Holy Spirit is going to seal you until the day that I call you home. It will be my guarantee, the earnest money deposit, that you are mine. Amen. He goes on to say this, my Holy Spirit will guard you in that valley, in the tough times that this world comes at you with, he'll guard you with peace and joy. Do you realize that peace and joy are two sides of the same coin? The coin is the deposit that Jesus Christ put in you when he sent, you, he sent his Holy Spirit to reside within you. And regardless of what happens, though the earthquake and the mountains shake, I shall Fear not, for thou art with me, Lord. You are with me and you guard my heart. Someone hear what I'm saying here? This is why James could confidently give this advice. In James chapter one, verse two, this is one of my favorite verses, but this is hard. Someone look at this with me and admit, this is hard. It's hard to have this attitude when you're being tested. When you're going through the fire of affliction. When you're under the press and and you're being pressured. But listen to what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Consider it pure joy. Now, I want you to notice there's not much wiggle room there, is there? Does he say, if you want to, consider it pure joy? If it lines up with your circumstance, consider it pure joy. No, he gives a directive. You know what I find interesting that today, so many Christians read the Bible and, and have it all wrong from the standpoint, if it makes sense to me, if it's convenient for me, we, we use, we, let me put it this way. I want to paint a picture for you. We read the Bible like I eat at Luby's Cafeteria. I go to Luby's and I go through it. I pick just what I want. Oh, I really like that. I really like that. And I get Two desserts why do I get two desserts? It's called the sandwich approach. I eat one before the meal and I eat one after the meal. Anyone hearing me? Sometimes we read the Bible that way and we're like, I don't really like James's, let's skip over that. I want to concentrate on the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Because if you adopt the attitudes that the Bible tells you to, to adopt, it will change your life. And so this is what He says, he says, Consider pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, already there's a promise there. You're going to not, not if ever, but whenever they're coming, you're going to face them. And then he encompasses, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be trials. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be assaults. There's going to be persecutions. Uh-oh. Of all sorts, I don't have enough room to list them all, James is saying. But I need you to understand it has a purpose. And I want you to know that the testing of your faith is what's happening here. The testing of your faith, it produces something. It produces, and if you're reading the King, the New King James Version, it says patience. If you're reading the NIV, it says perseverance. Same word, we'll talk about that in just a second. But the first point I want you to concentrate on, it produces perseverance. It's number two. Number one is, first and foremost, don't let anything steal your peace. you got to walk in peace, whether you're up high or down low. It's what Jesus Christ gave you in his Holy Spirit. Peace. Do you remember when he was talking to his disciples in the book of John about him leaving? And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to leave you a helper. But he says something else in the middle of all of that. He says, my peace I leave with you. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit is the promise of that peace? The Holy Spirit is the promise of that peace. And then he goes on to say this. He says, Father, I'm going to pray for my disciples. I'm going to pray for the Christians throughout the world, throughout time. And he does this amazing prayer for all of us. He says, I don't ask you, Father, to remove them from the world, but instead keep them while they live out their lives in a dark, troubling world. Why? Because when you live out with peace and everyone else is freaking out and you're chill, then somebody else goes, what is it? What is it? I want what you have. Because as you keep them, Father, and my peace keeps them. Then that's going to be their testimony to a lost and dying world that there's a better way. That there's a better way to live. Come on, is someone hearing me here today? Don't let this world and its ups and downs steal your peace this year. Keep your peace. You say, Pastor, but I don't see peace and joys. Then let me share with you another verse where the Apostle Paul is talking about the same thing that that James is talking about, but uses the word peace. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Okay, what is he saying here? There was once a time... When I was considered guilty, guilty of what? Treason against God? When I sinned? You say I've not sinned. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me just do a quick little test with you. Jesus, when he talked to his uh, to his people, and he came and he did the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of the Jewish people had already taken the Ten Commandments and they had checked them off the list. I'm good. 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 And so he had to break it down for him. He said. You've all heard it said, right? You've, thou, you've all heard it said, thou shalt not bear false witness. Or thou. you've all heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And everybody's going, I don't lie and I don't commit adultery, right? And I, I just want to try this with us real quick, okay? How do we rate with the Big Ten? Okay, he said this, you've all heard it said, thou shall not commit adultery. Any adulterers in the room? Am I the only one? Okay, we got a few. Let me break it down the way Jesus, somebody's going, oh my gosh, Martha, there's adulterers in this room. We came to the wrong church. Can, can I tell you what Jesus meant by it? He said this, you've all heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you, as God in the flesh, if you look at a woman or a man or anyone and you lust in your heart, you've just committed adultery. Now let me ask the question, any adulterers in the room? Okay, we have some liars too. (laughs) I see, I see where we're going here, okay? He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Have you ever said yes to something but didn't fulfill it? Okay, Jesus said, if your yes is not yes and your no is not no, that's bearing false witness. He goes a step further. Any murderers in the room? He said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. But I tell you, if you curse someone, You gossip them. You tear down their character. You've just murdered them before your father in heaven. Anyone murder someone on the way to church when they cut you off? You know, every morning when you're going your way to work and you're driving late and they cut you off and you're like just murdering everybody, right? You stupid dude. So listen to what Jesus is saying. Where was I going with this? Justified. We were all guilty. See, you got to get that in your heart. You were guilty because if you don't know you need a savior, you'll never reach out for one. And that's why the apostle Paul says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. That means the payment we deserve is to die. Die where? To die separated from God. Separated from God means no love, no peace, no joy. That's called hell. Hell, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God, this is what he's talking about here. Read it with me real slow. Through faith, we put our trust and said, I need a savior. Why do you think Jesus was so hard on the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? He was hard on them because they didn't recognize they needed a savior. And so he would hammer on him and hammer on him and hammer on him. And somebody goes, man, Jesus was being so mean to them. He knew they were going to hell unless they realized, I need a savior. I need a savior. And when you realize you need a savior and you put your faith in Jesus, listen, you were, you were moved from this side of the ledger to this side of the ledger. Any accountants in the room? This means you are now saved. You have the righteousness of Jesus Christ and it happened through faith. Through faith. Watch this. And now you're at peace with God. You're not an enemy of God. And that peace from the Holy Spirit resides in you. Okay, I went way beyond what I was supposed to. (laughs) But I just feel someone needs to get salvation right. My sermon means nothing if you don't understand salvation. The Holy Spirit put that on my heart. So if we go a little over. I want you to be patient and at peace. Watch this. Through whom we gained. Access by faith into grace. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. How do you get that eternal life? It's a gift. A wage you earn. A gift you receive. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift of what? The gift of God's grace. It's something you don't deserve. You just receive it. How do you receive it? For by grace I have been saved. Through faith. Not by works. This is the Bible speaking here. Listen to this. And so we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I'm going to put a bunch of things together. So I want you to keep looking at this verse. We boast in the glory of God. What does that mean? It means we had faith. God transported us into sonship, daughtership, family. And now our glory is that we belong to him. And it's for his glory that he saved us. He saved us. And now we go faith, hope. What happens next? Love, stay with me on that. I'll I'll develop it in just a second, but let's get to verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Okay, he says, Your first thing to glory in is the fact that Jesus saved me by grace. The second thing to glory in is what? When we suffer. He's saying the exact same thing that, that James is saying Consider it pure joy whenever you suffer, brothers and sisters. Now, what does Paul say? Paul highlights peace, but they're saying the same thing. Watch, read number three with verse three. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. James says what? That when we have joy in our sufferings, it produces what? Perseverance. They're saying the same thing. They're both pointing to the deposit of the Holy Spirit that guards you at any moment. In the high times, and the low times, in life, you have the Holy Spirit. And the most, the most beautiful gift he gives you is peace and joy. And the enemy is trying his best to steal your peace and joy. Trying his best to steal your peace and joy. Watch this. Verse 3. It produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Can I tell you? Point number two is patience. You say patience, Pastor. Now, I want to, I want to I deal with a misnomer or, or misunderstanding. Many times we think patience is passive. Patience is not passive; it's active. How so? Let me explain it to you this way. Patience, let me read it to you, the, the definition. This is the Greek word. I'm not going to try to butcher it. But it's the capacity to hold out or to bear up in the face of difficulty. Another word for patience is endurance, fortitude, steadfastness, perseverance. It's the same word that God uses In Ephesus, chapter 6, when he says what? Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand and persist, persevere when the day of evil comes. It means that you'll be able to hold your ground, not give up ground, and slowly, as a Spartan warrior, take a little bit more. It might be slow, but I'm moving. Where am I moving? I've been called heavenward in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Not that I've already obtained all of it, or I've already received the prize, or I've already reached my goal, but one thing I do, remember last week? One thing I do, I let go of what is behind, and I press on toward the goal, but it's got to be patiently. Let me put it to you another way. How many of you, um, I once, I know it's hard to believe, actually it's not that hard, I think I still got a little physique. I, I used to work out at one, once upon a time. Any guys work out in the room? Now, there are different ways you can do sets, and if you have a good trainer, if you have a good workout regimen, you're gonna do different things, especially if you want to break through plateaus. Sometimes you do fast thrust sets, right? You go, boo, boo, doo, But what do you call the set you do when you do it real slow and controlled? Anyone? Resistance training. Okay, so you just you take it off the bar and you just slowly. It's not how fast you can do a set, it's how controlled. Which one's harder? The slow resistance, making sure you control every movement. What is it doing to your muscles? Do you hear me? Are you passively just saying, I'm just going to see if the muscles grow? I'll put it to you this way. Pastor Melissa got upset with me one time when we were walking. We were supposed to be exercising and I started talking. Ladies, I just want you to know some of us cannot do two things at once. And so the more I talk and the more excited I get, the slower I walk. Sooner or later, I'm just having a full-blown conversation. I'm preaching to her. And she's like, it is so hard to walk so slow with you. Consider it pure joy, my sister. (laughs) Amen. Whenever you face trials and tribulations of Many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, sweetheart, produces patience. And patience is not passive, it's active. Anyone hearing me? Oh yeah, tell her, preach it to her. No, how about this? Oh Jesus, it's so hard to walk with you when you're walking so You're just walking so slow. Come on. And Jesus is going, that's exactly why I'm going to slow it down some more. <laughs> you got another set, buddy. Get on the bench. <laughs> Amen. 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 So perseverance. The next thing I want you to understand is there's a progression. That's number three. Progression. What is the progression? Well, read it with me. First of all, I want to share with you the definition of progression so you really get the the, the idea of where we're headed here. What is progression according to the dictionary? The process of developing or moving gradually, notice, not quickly, gradually toward what? An advanced state. Where are you moving? Heavenward. Who are you looking more like? Jesus. And that's not easy. And it's slow, slow. And the enemy is going to come against you, but you just keep taking ground. Amen? And it's a gradual thing. Now, I want you to see where he takes this from. He says, he highlights peace at the very beginning of the the passage in Romans. Watch this. Justified through faith, and we have peace. So we have faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So that's salvation. We have faith. When we have faith, we receive what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings with him what? We just talked about it. Peace and joy. There's the peace. But now he wants to move us to hope. And between faith and hope, there are two things he wants to see established. That's what? Patience, which means perseverance to persist. The character of persistence. And what else? And character. How many of you know it's hard to build character? It's hard to build character. Do you build character eating cupcakes all day? I know this world is trying it. We'll see how it turns out. But character takes time and it's hard work. And it's not pleasant when you're going through it. I can remember my mom and dad were always talking about building character in me. And I wonder it's because I had a pretty rough start. I was the kid at six years old that skipped school for a week in San Antonio, Texas, walked all the way around, tried to get on the bus, but they wouldn't let me. Tried to get on the Via Via bus. Then in second grade, I got in a storm drain. I walked the length of the storm drain to a creek, spent the entire day, came back at five in the afternoon. CPS thought they, they we, or the, the San Antonio Police Department thought they lost a kid. Me and a couple friends. So I had all these things. So my mom says, no more, man. We got to stop messing around with this kid. This kid needs some character, God. So I can remember when I got to driving age, they wouldn't let me get my license and said, you're, you're just not ready. You know, it's interesting because not all kids are ready at the same time. And it's up to a parent to know the difference. And sometimes we let society push us onto what's best. Oh, they need to go to college. Maybe they're not ready to go to college. Maybe they need to stay home, build some more character. Amen. So they decide they're going to build some character in me through the car I drive. They gave me my very own Toyota Tercel that was like 20 years old. We affectionately called it, or it was referred to by my friends in college as white lightning. Because it was once white, it didn't go fast at all, and it was most, mostly Rust. So, th- so this is what happened. My aunt got the car. She used it for four years of college, two years of grad school, gave it to her sister four years of college, four years of medical school, gave it to her brother four years of college, gave it to me. How many of you know I got the, the, sh- the short end of the stick? So I got this car. It's horrible. I'm like, mom, I can't be caught dead in this. You'll build your character. See, because we're sending you to university and I'm sure there are gonna be a lot of little kids out there that are gonna have fancy cars, but I want you to have the confidence to drive up on that campus and to know who you are, regardless of what you drive, because what you drive doesn't define you, son. Oh yeah, it sounds great. As a kid, I'm going, I'm gonna to have to park this a mile off campus. I might as well not have a car. There was holes in the floorboard. I know the Flintstones make it look cool. It's not. It's cold in the winter. I didn't have AC. I was driving like Ace Ventura out the door when it would fog up. I'd be like, I can't see. Some of you are going, what? If you've you've seen Pet Detective, you got it. (laughs) Then I'd bring Melissa onto the car, and then I'd say, baby, be careful because there's a hole there. Finally, I put a piece of plywood there. Then the seat broke and she had to sit in the back. So I'd be holding her hand like this. <laughs> the back window broke. I couldn't find one. I put a bit of piece of plexiglass. Then the door stopped working. So I had to leave it cracked to so stick my arm in there, roll the window down, get in Dukes of Hazard style. I mean, it was crazy, this car, but it was my car. And never met, you'll never guess what happened when my friends at Baylor found out I had that car. They're like, oh, snap, you're the one with the hooptee? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. They're like, dude, you're, that's so cool. No, I'd rather have your Yukon. I'd rather have your BMW, believe me. You know what, from now on, we're taking your car. They didn't realize we had to pop the clutch. You, how many of you ever popped a clutch? You haven't lived until you popped a clutch. Some of you are going, what is that? You need some character, son. <laughs> Popping the clutch means that the starter, something's not working. You, you got you to gotta take it and start rolling it. Jump in, push the clutch in and kick it. At, so it lunges into revving up. And so we had to do that. Then the reverse stopped working. All kinds of, it was crazy. It was awesome. So we're in the, we're in on the main drag there beside the campus and they're all in it. Like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, dude, we got to pop this clutch. They're like, what what, do we, oh, that's so awesome. What do we have to do? And I'm like, that means you got to get outside and we got to push it. Oh, that's going to be priceless. Pushing white lightning down the road. They got out. They're screaming, white lightning. We're pushing this thing. And we get it. In, and I'm, on the, I'm in the door pushing it. And they're like, Robert, Robert. That's my first name. Check out how much speed we got. I said, we got five miles per hour. And i like, come on, let's get it to 10. I jump in the car. I pop it. You would have thought the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl. The whole street he rubs going, No. built very little character, but I had a lot of fun. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let me ask you this. Why did my mom do all that? Why did my dad do all that? Because they knew there was something there in me that, that needed it. Come on. Some of us as parents know our kids need to experience some hardship if they're going to but the, but the problem is, pastor, is what hardship and how do we keep them from getting hurt? Because I want them to build character. I know it has to be hard, but I don't want them to be devastated or hurt beyond repair. But what if an awesome, almighty God was in charge? Oh. And what if he said, you know, I'm going to take you through some valleys because you're going to build some character. But if you trust me, you're going to come out of it better, not bitter. Come on. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a progression here, and the progression is you start with faith, you're filled with peace, you get perseverance, and you what, establish character because ultimately I want this hope to come alive in you. The hope in the, in the, in the gospel is not like, oh, I hope to have lunch with you someday. That means nothing. The hope in the gospel is, it's a certainty. It will happen. I will experience Jesus Christ and his glory and heaven. I will be with him someday. That's the hope of the gospel. And so watch what happens. He's moving you from faith, hope, and love. And now, these three remain. But the greatest of these, the Bible says, is what? Love. Watch this. Because love is what drives out fear and insecurity. What God wants you to be at someday is that place where you can say, I know with certainty that I am saved, that I am His, that I've been through some things, and He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. And you can bring whatever you want against me, devil. I know that God loves me. I'm firmly in His hands from there. No one can grasp me. No one can snatch me. It's a confidence Oh, I wish I had time to preach this whole message because the truth is so many of us camp out at faith and we just stay right there. But true faith moves you to hope and love. Well, I know God's love. No, no, the kind of love that you are so convinced of, it changes the way you live. You live with so much confidence. Why? Because you have no fear. But thou art with me, Lord. All right, I'm about to be done. Number four prayer, prayer. Listen to what James says. If you lack in one of these areas, you can ask God. And I want you to highlight what's there. I didn't highlight it. Actually, I should have. He gives it generously and he finds no fault. When you start praying, the enemy's going to immediately tell you you're not worthy. Oh, God's not going to give it to you. You're not this. You're not that. You're not good enough. Can I tell you the ones that are good enough don't need God? It's like someone said to me, Pastor, I didn't go to church because I drank too much the night before. I said, You're the one that should have been there. (laughs) Right? What I'm trying to say to you is, He's not finding fault. If you needed to be perfect for Him to answer your prayers, we'd all be in trouble. That's why He sent a Savior. It's not about you being good enough, it's about you praying. And when you pray, don't doubt. He says, because the one who doubts is like a wave of a sea tossed to and fro by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. So pray. Don't let the enemy get in your head tell you you're not good enough. God wants to hear from you. He's not going to nitpick you. He's not going to say, well, you haven't done this and you haven't done that. He's going to listen and he's going to examine your heart. Do you believe me for it? And if you believe him for it, then he begins to move. He begins to answer your prayer. But listen to what else James says. Some people have not because they ask not. It's right there. You have not because you ask not. So it means you have to have enough courage to ask. Press past the enemy telling you you're not good enough. Believe and God will begin to answer. The truth is prayer, persistent prayer is so important. John Wesley put it this way, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. Without prayer, nothing happens. You start praying, God's hand begins to move. God's hand begins to move. First John puts it this way, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How do I know his will? Well, his will is that you walk in faith. His will is that you have hope. His will is that you have character. His will is everything that is promised in here. So if you pray according to his will, then what? He hears you. And if he hears you, it's done. So I'm going to talk about two kinds of prayers. The kind of prayer that starts off, it's just done. You put it out there, it's done. Others, you've got to keep praying. But, but watch. This prayer is the kind of prayer, it reminds me of Steph Curry. Anybody like Steph Curry? I love Steph Curry. He's an awesome three-point shooter. And I love this about him. He'll shoot the shot and walk away. And I love when they're showing him. He's already walking to the other side of the court. The ball hasn't gone in, and then it goes in. I'm like, how do you do that? I said, I want to be the Steph Curry of prayer, Lord. That's what this word says. This is my confidence, that if I ask according to his word for my family... It's done. It's done. Anyone hear me today? But sometimes God says, okay, I've shown you that it's done. But now I need you to build your character. See, you think Steph Curry just went out there and shot one time and made it? How many times did he persist in shooting to be good enough? to do that. You go, do you mean I have to be good enough? No, you have to have the faith, the lifestyle built on faith to break through. You say, well, show me in God's word. All right, I'm gonna show you in God's word. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus shows three of his disciples his resurrected form. It's called the mountain of Transfiguration. They see an amazing thing. When they come down from that amazing feat. their other disciples are arguing with the teachers of the law because someone has brought to them their child who is demon-possessed, and they cannot cast the demons out. Now, in verses before, when Jesus commissioned them out, they were driving out demons, and they were excited, going, Oh, my goodness, even the demons are subject to us. But something has changed. Because Jesus is showing them, hey, I don't want you to get comfortable. I want to move you from glory to glory, mountaintop to mountaintop. There's more. I want you to come towards heaven, right? And so Jesus casts out the demon and they ask him, what happened, Lord? Why couldn't we do this? And he says, it requires prayer. And then he teaches them based on this, this parable. This is the parable he uses to highlight for them persistent prayer because he said certain breakthroughs only happen when you persist in prayer and you don't give up. Okay? This is what he says. Then Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. Right? And you go to that friend at midnight and you say to that friend, lend me some bread. But that friend Yells out from inside. I'm asleep. My children are tucked in. Don't bother me. Can I put it to you in today's terms? Hey, David, do you have some, some bread? Patrick, do you have some bread? Pastor, go to Walmart. Jesus says, if you keep knocking. You're not hearing me yet. They're not hearing me. You're not hearing me yet. Come on. What am I saying? I'm saying sometimes you got to pound on the gates of heaven. you got to pound on the gates of heaven. You've got to say, Lord, I'm not leaving till you bless me, Lord. I'm not leaving till you bless me, God. Breakthrough in my family, Lord. You called me to see breakthrough in my children. This generational curse stops with me, God. It stops with me, Lord. I'm not stopping until you bless me, God. I'm gonna keep pounding until you answer me, Lord. Till you answer me, God. Breakthrough in my business. Breakthrough in my children. Breakthrough in my marriage. Breakthrough. I gotta have what. Do you hear me? I'm talking about undignified prayer. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that you do the ugly cry and you get on your knees and you, and you say, I'm not having it anymore. I don't want to live mediocre. I don't want to be a half hearted Christian. I need something to shake free in me, God. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Not just, Well, he didn't answer, I guess that's it. He didn't answer, I guess that's it. Come on, young people. Come on, young people. What have you prayed for your future that way? He said, no, I'm not stopping God. till you show me what you have for me. Call me to something, Lord. I have one life to live. I refuse to lose. I refuse to live it half-heartedly. God, set me on fire. I may be a grain, one grain of salt, but make me a salty little grain, God. (laughs) Right? Oh, man, I could get even more indignified than this. That's what he says. He says, that friend will get up and empty the cupboards for you. Get out of here, dude. He says, I'm not that kind of friend. What is Jesus highlighting? If you can see it in the physical, I want you to consider it from the spiritual now. Jesus is saying, I never slumber. I don't sleep. I'm not out to lunch. I don't take days off. I'm constantly watching over you. So if you ask, you will receive. If you knock, it will be opened. That's what he's saying. So he highlights it one more way. He says, there's a widow lady He highlights the widow part because women in this culture have a lower status than the men. And she has to go before a judge who doesn't fear God and could care less about people. This is a a bad judge. And she's wanting justice. The judge refuses to give it to her. You're a woman, I I don't. He says, I tell you, because of her persistence, she just shows up. Come on, do I need to? No, stop. Your same reaction is what the judge is going to say. No, stop. This is what Jesus says. Because she wears him out. Now watch this. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjudged says. He's already told him what he says. He says, go, you've got justice. I'm going to do just like you asked. Now watch this. Will not God bring justice for his chosen ones? And who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and that they have it quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will there be any one praying faithfully? So we already know that the closer we get to Jesus Christ's return, people are going to want to hear just the good part. Tell me about the mountaintop. Can I tell you? Everyone wants to go to heaven. No one wants to die. Everyone wants the miracle. No one wants to be the guy that dies to experience the miracle. Celebrate the good and the bad. Jesus is easy. This world is hard. Don't give up. He's building something in you. So this is where we stop. There's power in prayer. there's power in prayer. So Jesus teaches his disciples, some breakthroughs, Mark 9:29, only happen with persistent prayer. John Wesley put it this way: "Give me a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not I care not a straw about whether they be clergymen or laymen, such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of God on earth because God does nothing except by prayer, except by prayer. Jeremiah says, call to me. I will answer you. I will tell you great, unsearchable, unknowable things. So as you take your communion and we get ready to leave. I want to share something with you from my own experience. Um, You know, I'd gotten kind of comfortable. Things were going pretty easy the last two years or year and a half. Uh, Pastor Melissa and I and our family have been experiencing a lot of spiritual uh, warfare. Some things are, are, are somewhat bizarre, but a lot of discouragement Sleepless nights, on certain nights, specifically when I have to minister or we have to minister, we feel um, anxiety and just badgering. It's all in your mind, in your heart. Even physically, when I woke up sick, I'm like, what is going on? Then the next weekend, Melissa woke up like, oh my goodness, what is happening? And just, I mean, I could go through. Just, it, It's become a very clear pattern. So I would appreciate your prayers, especially as we go into the weekend. Tonight will be, I'll sleep like a baby. Last night was tough, tough. And, um, so how many of you know, when you persist in prayer, sometimes your prayers digress. And so I was praying and I'm like, started there, There's a fine line between praying and asking and just plain old whining And so I started whining to God going, Lord, you know, I'm a Christian. Your word says I'm the head and not the tail. Come on, Lord. Your word says that greater is he who's within me than he who's in the world. Your word tells me that you've overcome the enemy, that God, you see what I'm saying? And and I'm, I'm sharing God's word back to him. And then I said, and you're not doing anything, God. There needs to be consequence, Lord. When I pray, there needs to be a consequence against this dude. And then God is saying, how do you know there's nothing going on? Because I don't see it. And he goes, I thought you preached that you don't have to see it to believe it. Yeah, but that was for them, Lord. Come on, anyone hearing me? And this is what the Lord told me. He said, even the enemy serves my purpose. I work all things for the good of those who love me. And I called according to my purpose. And the truth is I've put increase in your heart. I said, yeah, I want to see things increase. But in order for there to be increase, there needs to be increase. And I'm calling you to a higher level of faith. Remember, I preached that the last few weeks. Why? Because God preached it first to me. And he said, I'm calling you to a higher level of faith. And I'm using the enemy to do it. Because even he serves my purpose. That's how awesome our God is. Look at me. That's how awesome our God is. Every witch, every demon, every, everything serves his awesome purpose. He says, sleep well, son. I've got you. And I won't put you through more than what I've determined will establish the persistent character of faith, hope, and love. And my work will be perfect because I'm a good God. Sleep well. I said, oh, snap. He just let you know, devil. And now he let me know. And now I'm reminded that I got nothing to fear. I'm safe and secure in God's love. Come on now. This is where we finish. What is the Lord sharing with you today? Is he sharing with you, I've got you. I've got you. This year is going to be your best year yet. I'm working some things out. I'm going to do it in the good and the bad. I'm going to do it because I'm always at work. I've got you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your gift. We know that this represents your body that was broken for us. And your blood that was shed for us. And when we partake as a family. We remember your great work. And look forward to your return. May you come quickly. In Jesus name. Thank you. Everyone got a second? You have a second? Is there someone here that's never truly accepted the Lord? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I want to make sure. I want to know when I leave today that I have put my faith in Christ and I have been born again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, it's a very simple thing to do. It requires a faith surrender. Where you say, Lord, I know that your word has said I have to put my faith in Christ and today I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I receive him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you here today, would you raise your hand? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see a couple more hands over here. We're going to pray a very simple prayer. There's still time if you want to pray this prayer with us. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Today, by faith, I receive your gift of grace. Thank you for life. I put my trust in you. And from this moment on, seal me with your Holy Spirit. And guide me, Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving all my sin. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, thank you and congratulations. Come this week to discipleship. I love you, church. Have a great week.